I'm Paul Brady, and this is my podcast, A Northern Wine Odyssey, a part of the Cork Report Podcast Network. To find us, search Cork Report in your podcast app of choice. Today with me, Kyle Palachek, Executive Director of the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance. We get into FL Excursion, which is the upcoming Riesling conference happening in the Finger Lakes uh, in just a week or so, and also Finger Lakes Wine Month coming up in August. Here we go. Northern Wine Odyssey. Thank you, as always, to guitarist and composer Dave Miller for our opening and closing music. Check him out at DaveMillerGuitar.com. And with me today is Kyle Palchek of the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance. What's up, Kyle? Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm well. Um, paint a picture for us real quick. Make make everybody jealous. T- tell us about your summer so far on the uh, shores of Cuca Lake. Oh, you know, it's, uh, well, I have to say it's not quite as lovely weather as we had last year in 2020. It's uh, It's been gorgeous. We've actually had some great rain um, to keep things green and lush and making sure that I mow my lawn more than once a week. <laughs> And the lake temperature is swimmable, and it's just, it's gorgeous. It's a good place to be, for sure. Do you think of the summers like I do, which is in terms of, of like, the grape vintages, you know, wine vintages? That's how I'm able to, like, remember what the weather was like in each <laughs> summer going back, like, 10 years. You know, it's kind of funny because of the history that I have with the area. And, you know, I've been working in the wine industry for a little over 10 years now. I have a weird association with more time frame and where I was and what I was doing. And that's how I remember some of the weather events that we've had over the years and not specifically with the, the vintages in particular with some exceptions, I guess there are a couple of vintages that I would call out as being, you know, really great years for reds or really great, you know, years that I remember the Rieslings from and then oddball years that I've had great wines from that were considered lousy weather, maybe, but I yeah, I have weird points of reference for a lot of different stuff. <laughs> I don't know if you'll agree, but this summer so far reminds me a little bit of 2013. Like when I think back to that summer and I think about the wines from that year, I remember being up in the Finger Lakes in particular and just feeling a lot of heat and humidity and the rain kind of being a regular occurrence. Not that mm-hmm. it was like any sort of bad vintage. I know that there was some uh, difficulty with disease pressure and in the vineyards and whatnot that year, but some really good wines certainly resulted, but it just, I don't know. That's, that's what I think of the, the heat, the humidity, lots of rain and storms, but like kind of like they kind of come and go so that down here, at least in the Hudson Valley, we get, we get these like patches of sunshine, you know, so we were, we were able to enjoy, you know, most of the 4th of July. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think probably 2013 is one of the years that doesn't stand out in my mind because it was what my brain would probably think of as just an average year, which is exactly what you've just described. You know, pop up thunderstorms here and there, but then occasional beautiful days or even, you know, just a beautiful afternoon that's flanked by some storms and stuff. And so it's it's just a, a normal, if there is such a thing, <laughs> year in the Finger Lakes, I guess. 
So let's let let's go back maybe to around uh, 2013 or or before to when you did start working in the uh, in the industry in the Finger Lakes because I think that your job mm-hmm. that you have now is is pretty neat and there's probably a lot of people who may want to work on the administrative side of wine someday. Sure. Uh, and so I think uh, it, it could be fun to 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 piece it together to see how you got there. So I I know that you worked at the Wine and Culinary Center in Canandaigua, and then later you were the tasting room manager at Fox Run, before then going and working at Sheldrick Point, where you were mostly in charge of like sales and marketing and branding. But but take me back to the beginning, to your earliest wine job in uh, in the Finger Lakes region. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of funny. A lot of people, because I started sort of my career, my full-time career in the Finger Lakes at Fox Run in 2011. Um, people sort of assumed that that was when things started for me, but I actually worked in the tasting room at Prejean Winery back in 1999. So <laughs> was really exposed to, I don't mean, I grew up in the region, so I was obviously drinking some Rieslings at a, a slightly younger age, I guess you could say. But um, I was in between colleges and had a friend that was working at Prejean Winery and she, you know, like many students do, you know, brought their friend into work and said, here, you should have a job here too. <laughs> so I, I worked um, probably a, a winter, you know, through a summer until I went back to a different school um, at the winery. And actually it's the the first wine book that I read cover to cover and then purchased was one that they had there in the tasting room because in the middle of winter, it's, you know, it's a little slow in tasting rooms, particularly back in 99. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It's called Discovering Wine. And it has, I don't remember the author, but it has a woman with extremely long hair on the cover, smelling a glass of wine. I just thought it was fantastic. I don't know this book. <laughs> I'm Googling it right now. I will now. send you a photo. I have got it on my bookshelf. Um, discovering Wine? Discovering Wine. It's so, It's. I swear it's probably from the 70s. <laughs> but it was just such an interesting book and lots of visuals. And I thought that it was so cool. And I, you know, Libby Prejean was a, a huge asset, I'd say, to my to my interest in wine because she really encouraged us to um, ask questions, and and she actually took me to a session that was being hosted at Glenora Wine Cellars on uh, dessert wines because they have. Um, I'm probably going to get this wrong. Uh, Lil, oh shoot, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of the wine. Um, Bird of Paradise. That's it. It's a flower. Um, and it's a dessert wine. And so she wanted me to be able to understand more about ice wines and late harvest wines and ports and sherries and all that stuff. Whereas I'm, I'm was uh, younger then, obviously, and just starting to learn about wine. So a lot of what I drank tended to be, you know, semi dry Rieslings, or maybe some of the sweeter blushes and things like that. Uh, and so I found this to be a pretty fascinating uh, session to learn about, but I didn't really find any wines that I wanted to drink. But I still appreciated the fact that she, you know, wanted me to learn about it. And uh, from there, I actually went to college out in Ohio, but I took some of my lessons with me. I, in a public speaking course, I, uh, I taught people how to taste wine. So I was a big hit in that class. Pretty sure I got an A. And um, very long story, we'll skip over a bunch of years and put me back here in the Finger Lakes. And uh, yeah, was doing other things in another industry and, and with the change in the economy in um, 2008 and 2009, I found myself in this situation where I had an opportunity to actually step full-time into the wine industry. Um, 
I was in, I had worked in hospitality environments and I was interested in perhaps pursuing some wine certifications and, and maybe some of that stuff. But I had a friend that was working at Fox Run and uh, was the tasting room manager and was doing more on the road sales work actually. And they needed somebody to, to step into the tasting room role. And so I met Scott and Ruth and yeah, here we are. <laughs> I was, and you had, uh, you had been doing some bartending throughout yes, your time yes. in college and whatnot, right? Yep. Learned, learned, I guess you could say how to bartend if you will. When I was at the university of Akron out in Ohio and um, when I got laid off from my corporate job in 2009, I stepped back into the hospitality world and worked at a couple different restaurants in the area, helped open a couple different places, tried my darndest to get some places that had no interest in Finger Lakes wine to uh, maybe consider some of them by just buying my own bottles and bringing them in because I knew some of the sales reps weren't going to necessarily do that work. So I guess you could say I've been pushing Finger Lakes wine for a lot longer than I've actually been working in the industry. But um yeah, and I actually didn't start teaching at the Culinary Center until after I left Fox Run. So I was with them for almost four and a half years, running the tasting room and cafe. Um, and then I stepped out of the producer side for just a minute. I was with the Seneca Lake Wine Trail for maybe 10 months before getting the job at Shellbreak Point as the sales and marketing manager, then transitioning into um, what they called the brand manager role. Um, but right around that time is when I started uh, working at what used to be the Wine and Culinary Center and is now the New York Kitchen. And yeah, taught classes there for, oh, probably three or four years in a mix of classes. I did both public facing classes and they also were a site that offered, they partnered with the Court of Esther Sommeliers. And, um, but I would help teach some of the sound prep courses that the center had developed over the years and yeah, and did that for a few years before things just got a little bit too hectic in, in the regular wine industry. And, and then this past January, I took the job with the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance. And that's kind of it in a nutshell, I guess. Well, let's talk a little bit about your time at Sheldrake Point. Um, so you, you you ran the tasting room at Fox Run, which is a well-known, sizable mm-hmm. family winery on the west side of Seneca Lake mm-hmm. um, that certainly produces uh, a fair amount of Riesling uh, in addition to lots of other stuff. From there, you went to the Wine and Culinary Center where you're teaching, you're learning, and then from there, directly to Sheldrake Point, another winery on Cayuga Lake, again, sort of specializing in Riesling and other uh, vinifera, vinifera wines, certainly mm-hmm. a uh, well-regarded winery uh, on, in, uh, over on that side of Cayuga Lake. Um, t- yeah, t- tell, let's talk about your time there. That's where you were working when I got to know you. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, probably one of the neat things I think that I have with my experience is that I worked for two different family owned wineries that really kind of look at the wine industry in, in different ways, but with a similar outlook for the region. Um, working at Sheldrake Point was, was really great. I actually, so I live in Penyon and Sheldrake is on the, the west side of Cayuga Lake. So it's about an hour drive, but honestly, having a commute to drive around the lakes is, you know, you can't really complain about that when you've, <laughs> it's such a beautiful drive. Um, I know. I always try to explain that to people. It's the same around here in the Hudson Valley. Mm-hmm. I literally know? could have gotten to Sheldrake Point if I flew directly east over Seneca Lake, I could be to Sheldrake Point in like 15 minutes, not even. But since I have to drive either all the way to north to Geneva or all the way south to Watkins Glen, and then back either south or north again to get to the middle, essentially, of Cayuga Lake on the west side. It's, uh, yeah, it takes an hour. So it's, 
you know, there are worse things in the world. I've commuted from Penyan up to Rochester before, and that's not necessarily a pretty drive. So I can't complain, but, um, right. And it's like, if you're, if, if you're late, people are usually pretty understanding because it's pretty easy to get stuck behind a tractor that's driving 20 miles oh, an hour yes. or something. Absolutely. <laughs> the most challenging thing with the Finger Lakes is, you know, the traffic jam is either going to be some sort of farm equipment or a horse and buggy, and you never know which one you're going to hit. Um, but it's one of the nice things with Sheldrake Point when I started there actually was uh, sitting in and chatting with with Chuck Tauk, the owner. Um, he actually agreed to let me immediately work from home two days a week since my drive was long. And also because part of the job was going to be sales work. So I was going to be on the road for a little bit um, anyway. So needing to you know adjust and accommodate for those days, we didn't see any reason for me to just constantly be in the office. And one of the beautiful things of putting in almost five years at Fox Runs Tasting Room is that sometimes you sort of earn your way out of those hours that are very set in stone because you're you're there for an, an open business per se. So tasting room work is you are there because the, the business is open and so a, a human needs to be present in the space. Whereas office work sometimes have, has a little bit more flexibility, even more so now after the pandemic with people more and more working from home, I think there's an understanding that as long as the work is getting done, it doesn't really matter what time you're getting, what time you're doing it. So uh, sometimes so, okay, I, so, I get some flexibility. Sorry, go ahead. So you you were with Sheldrick Point for for a few years, and mm-hmm. you were sort of the face down in New York City. You did a lot mm-hmm. of sales marketing work down there. You you got them some nice placements. You were certainly very well liked by the trade, which is easy for me to see now how you are in your current position also working with trade. So you, from Sheldrake, you moved on to become the executive director of the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance. So let's talk about that a little bit. So you've essentially gone from having uh, one winery owner as your boss to now having many winery owners (laughs) as your boss, which I think is pretty cool and, and something worth talking about. So I'll just you know, and you can certainly jump in here. The Finger Lakes Wine Alliance is essentially a group of of wineries in the Finger Lakes that does outreach to the trade in New York City, around the rest of New York State, and other nearby states, Pennsylvania, Ohio, mm-hmm. Massachusetts, etc. And the board of directors is made up of mostly winery owners who are essentially your boss. So mm-hmm. what's that like going from, you know, working with the trade for one winery to working with the trade and, you know, designing curriculum, et cetera, for many wineries. For multiple. Sure. No, it's, uh, it's definitely, you got to have a different perspective for it. Um, I think because I did work for the Cynic Lake Wine Trail for a very brief period of time, um, I did have sort of a, an insight into sort of how that might work and how, you know, the diverse population of the Finger Lakes wine winery owners are. Um, so yeah, with the wine lines, we've got, uh, when I joined, we had about 30 members and now we have 34, 35, I think. Um, and you're correct. The board of directors is made up of either winery owners or principals, family members of, of winery ownership. Um, and we have 13 board members, uh, who help sort of direct the, the organization, um, in, in our, our, our marketing efforts towards trade and media. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting. I found that because I have relationships with the majority of the people um, in the organization and, and particularly on the board, because of the years that I've spent, like you mentioned, you know, out at 
industry events and, and working side by side with people from other wineries and, and getting to know them that way, um, that it was kind of nice to be able to come into this position and not have, not be like a new introduction to people. They already kind of knew who I was. And so it was easy for us to just start working together and figure out sort of how we work together. Um, I'm extremely fortunate. Liz Stamp is, from Lakewood Vineyards is the board chair this year, who I've known since I was working at Fox Run. Um, and she is uh, someone who's been involved in the industry for so long that her historical knowledge of the region of wineries and also of the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance, the organization itself, has just been so incredibly helpful in getting me you know, pointed in the right direction and and I like to think that a lot of the wineries that are members um, have trust in me to try and do some things, uh, you know, and, and help move the, the organization forward. Because I actually, when I was at Sheldrake Point, I was the person who was working with the Wine Alliance from the, the single producer side. So I have exposure to a lot of the programs already. And, and uh, you know, while I came to the organization having opinions from a producer standpoint, I've tried to talk to as many of our members as possible to sort of get their, you know, good and bad and, and overall views of the organization and the, the programs that we have so that we can execute things this year. And we're still sort of adjusting to, uh, you know, things that have changed for us because of the pandemic, um, but also looking forward to next year and what we can do, perhaps if the opportunity is presenting itself to, you know, really open things back up and go back to in-person programming and, and visiting, you know, different markets and helping to spread the Finger Lakes uh, wine industry cheer, if you will, a little bit further afield. Cool. I think that's a good job of painting the picture of your career so far. And there are some members of the trade who, who listen to this and who are may be interested in transitioning to a job such as yours. So thank you for, for chatting about that. So now we've talked a little bit about your involvement with the trade. So coming up, you've got two pretty big events uh, that's going to involve both trade and consumers. Mm -hmm. So Finger Lakes uh, Wine Month, is that what it's called in August coming up? Yes, correct. So Finger Lakes Wine Month in August. And then before that, FL Excursion coming up, uh, which begins on the 17th of July this month. Correct. So let's let's start with FL Excursion, which is, this is the second time that it's happened. It happened in 2019. And it is essentially a conference on all things Riesling for both trade and consumers. Mm -hmm. And you are involved from a number of different fronts. <laughs> Tell us about your involvement with that and also why everybody should go. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the first one was held in 2019. So this our second one here um, is sort of a celebration, I think, at the end of the pan end of the pandemic, if you want to put it that way, even though we not know it's not really over. Um, but I so I got involved the first time around because when I was at Sheldrake Point, um, the original the first conference was actually set up to have um, all of the the sessions, the seminars were actually hosted at different wineries in the region. Um, so I had found out that our winemaker, Dave Breeden, had uh, said, sure, we'd love to host. And, you know, realizing that perhaps there needed to be someone else at the winery, maybe in on some meetings to, to get some details for, for planning hosting this event. I started attending and ended up getting looped into coordinating some of the main logistics of like tent and table rentals and things like that and, and helping 
just sort of that side of the the planning of of the overall event. So fast forward to this year, and I got looped into emails when uh, Kelby from Red Newt and Oscar from Herman Weimer were starting to work on the idea of you know hosting it again this year. They just you know did it once well with a group of people. Why not start with that group of people in the conversation again? And uh, but this time being with the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance and recognizing that some of the feedback that Kelby had received from the last conference was that folks that had visited from outside of the area had really hoped that there would have been more of an introduction to the Finger Lakes, a, a sort of opportunity for the region to show off itself. And it wasn't necessarily part of the main program last time. So they asked the Wine Alliance to consider having a heavier presence this uh, for this year and really doing a little bit more um, very much so in the beginning phases to you know, welcome the, the conference to the region and, and show off some of our producers and our wines. So what that's resulted in is the Wine Alliance is the main, is the exclusive sponsor, I should say, for the Grand Tour, uh, which is on Sunday afternoon from noon to six. And there's about five different stops around the region. They're actually not at wineries. Um, it's meant to be an opportunity to sort of show off some of the social, geopolitical, cultural you know, everything, uh, geography of the region, um, through its stops. We'll be starting, I think at the Smith opera house, um, visiting, I believe a waterfall or a lakefront, one of the two visiting a vineyard, visiting a, uh, goat dairy, and then finishing up in Seneca falls at people's park and talking about the history of, um, some of the, the women's rights movements that's been very significant for this region. And at each stop along the way, we'll have two Finger Lakes wine producers there pouring a Riesling for guests to enjoy. That is kind of the first event for the conference itself, for the folks that, that have purchased a, a professional ticket to the conference. But it's also something that's available for the general public. They can purchase a ticket for that as well. Um, and I think that it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to to hearing the speakers at, at each of the stops and and uh, tasting some of the wines as well, um, and then at the Brilliant. end, and that's that's on Sunday, that is uh, Sunday. July eighteenth, correct? Correct. Yes, correct. Okay, cool. And then immediately following that will be the welcome dinner um, on the Seneca Lake, uh, the sort of the head of Seneca Lake up in Geneva, and that's for really the opening of the conference. And again, this, the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance is going to be the um, the main sponsor for that. Uh, with 16 different wineries pouring. We've got some a little presentation planned um, and just a fun evening. And then beyond that, we'll be at the Riesling Crawl Monday evening. We'll have a location um, on Linden Street in Geneva at FLX Freibird. Um, and still working out some details there, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The Riesling Crawl was a big hit last time. It's sort of the dinner component for Monday. Uh, and then throughout the sem seminars, throughout the, the conference, there will also be, you know, our wines scattered and around um, in different ways being presented. Oh, I should, I skipped over the fact on Saturday afternoon, there are public seminars. They're, they're ticketed um, for the public. It's one is by, oh, shoot, Dominic Pernomo of Yono's in Albany. He's hosting one that's pairing wine with food. And then Cheryl, and I'm totally going to blank on her last name right now. She's, Cheryl Stanley. Thank you. Yes, from Cornell. She is presenting um, Rieslings from around the world. And we have Finger Lakes Wine Alliance members pouring wines for both of those as well. 
Those sound like both really good events. First of all, Dominic Pernomo is a world-class sommelier and will be the best-dressed person within By hundreds of miles. Far. <laughs> and uh, Cheryl Stanley teaches the world's largest wine class, which is to undergraduates, or maybe graduates too, at Cornell University. And she is uh, an incredibly engaging uh, instructor. So... The, the shenanigans that begin on Saturday sound cool for sure. Yes. Um, and then, okay, so Sunday there's the grand tour and then there's the, the welcome dinner Sunday evening. And then we, we move into a couple days of, of seminars. Yes. Yep. Uh, the conference itself is very Riesling focused. The full itinerary and schedule is online that gives descriptions of each of the programs. Unfortunately, that's not the spot that I'm heavily involved in. So I can't speak necessarily to the ins and outs of of the sessions, but I have a ticket and I'm going to be sitting in on them and tasting Riesling and, and, you know, getting uh, exposure to some different things that way. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a number of different sort of world renowned players involved with, with each of the seminars, whether it's winemakers from, from New York or elsewhere in North America or other uh, Riesling producing regions from around the world, whether those people are able to make it in person or they're, uh, you know, channeled in via whatever technology is, uh, you know, everyone's using these days. Right. Uh, I, we do. I, I'm sure though that the, those are going to be some engaging discussions and uh, whether you're, you know, uh, in the industry or just as even a semi-serious wine drinker. I mean, it's really, you know, you're going to walk out of this a relative genius on the subject of Riesling. By far. <laughs> Agreed. There are actually a few folks from Germany, if, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, from Austria that have gotten visas and will be here. So we're pretty excited about that as well. Cool. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, unless, unless, uh, I've forgotten anything about FL excursion that listeners should know about. Let's move to talk about Finger Lakes wine month. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up in August, it's going to be really exciting. Um, so now this is something that happened once before, or maybe more than once before, and you, you're mm -hmm. bringing it back. Mm -hmm. Yes. So many years ago, it's, I mean, one of the challenges is understanding a little bit more about the dynamics of the different organizations in the region that are helping promote Finger Lakes wine. So we've got the wine trails, each lake, Cayuga, Seneca, Cuca, and Canandaigua, each have their own wine trail. And on those lakes, some, not all wineries, but some wineries are members of those wine trails. And they're generally promoting tourism specifically to consumers, bringing people to the region and promoting visiting the wineries. And then we've got Finger Lakes Wine Country, which is based down in Corning. And they're advertising the region, the brand of Finger Lakes Wine Country, but they're also working with other business partners that are not just wineries. We have the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance, which is a tourism, or sorry, we're not a tourism focused organization. We are trade and media. So we really don't do much of anything in the way of um, promoting the region tourism wise to consumers. Um, and we've also got the New York Wine and Grape Foundation, which you're very familiar with, covers the whole of New York State and not just wineries, but also grape growers very specifically. And while they have involvement in all of the above, they are also politically active and a number of different things. So we're all kind of shooting at some different targets, but in general, we're, we're all engaged in the same promotion of the region and increase in the visibility of Finger Lakes wine overall. Um, and years ago, so when does the drinking start? <laughs> well, it should have started already. Like I'm a little annoyed <laughs> with myself that I didn't pour a glass of wine for this conversation today, <laughs> but, um, 
No, what used to happen is uh, back in, I think it was 2012 or 2013, the Wine Alliance was sort of kind of an, an under the umbrella of Finger Lakes Wine Country, if you will. And they did Finger Lakes Wine Month in May. Um, and there was a lot of really exciting stuff going on. This is when Twitter tastings were really big and we were all starting to learn about hashtags and social media wasn't quite the heavy hitter in our lives then as it is now. Um, but there was just, they had a really great time organizing a, a number of different things, but for whatever reason, the, the wine Alliance, it just didn't quite persist, uh, in, in, in continuing in May. Um, the wine Alliance has since then stepped out from under the umbrella of wine country. And we did, let's see, we, it transitioned to Riesling month, which was in September. So it was meant to coincide with potential rollout of new vintages. But if you've worked in the wine industry for long enough with a number of producers, you know that everyone sort of rolls out a new vintage whenever they need to because they ran out of the last vintage or because it's ready or, or for a number of different reasons. So it was a bit hard to coordinate that um, with one specific month. And uh, in uh, starting with the organization, I, I felt like there was an opportunity to bring this back, particularly now as wineries have sort of reemerged from COVID shutdowns and, you know, a really tough year in 2020. Uh, a lot of folks invested heavily in their hospitality programs and changing things up. Things are no longer, you know, walk into a tasting room and belly up to the bar. They've got seated, you know, more experiential tastings, um, food pairings. They've invested heavily in serviceware. A lot of different stuff is happening. And we just want to kind of take this opportunity to Remind the world that the Finger Lakes is still here. We're still making great wine. Things look a little bit different, but we're excited to show that off. And um, it makes sense to have all of these organizations um, work together to promote our main focus to our separate target markets, if you will, um, in a cohesive way. So it makes a bigger splash. Um, and so since we wanted the consumer portion to actually um, be a part that we focused on as well, with the, the wine trails, it's one of the reasons why we chose to place it in August. Um, it's a time of the year when, yes, the wineries are busy and they already have, you know, good visitation. Um, but we want to be able to do some things that maybe allows consumers that are already in the region to, to come and visit and drink the wine and, and enjoy the experiences at the wineries. Um, and for us this year, for the Wine Alliance, we have a program called what used to be called Riesling Roadshow. This year, it's the Finger Lakes Roadshow. And in future years, it will be condensed into hopefully Finger Lakes Wine Month. It will be one of our main programs to promote the region during the month. Um, and it's meant to connect with trade and media um, through tastings uh, and, and classes and seminars, both inside New York State and outside of the state. Um, we're, we are doing it this year. We're doing it virtually and our New York, uh, session starts, um, actually the day after the FL excursion conference ends. <laughs> so Wednesday, I think it's the 21st and we'll do three sessions in New York and three for out of state folks, um, every Wednesday through August. And then in future years, we'll sort of focus that into August for, you know, celebrating Finger Lakes wine month a little bit more, um, but what folks can expect if they're visiting the region in August, we actually will have flags at all of the participating wineries. So any winery that is a member of any of the trails, Finger Lakes Wine Country, the Wine Grape Foundation, the, the Wine Alliance will receive a flag that says Finger Lakes Wine Month. It's going to be black with green and white lettering. 
that they can hang outside their tasting room, which gives folks folks visiting uh, a heads up that that place is participating in Finger Lakes Wine Month. And it could be anything from a specialty flight. Uh, it could be a shipping promotion. They might have a special dinner that they're doing. They might be doing music some evening. We're leaving it up to the wineries to really kind of find a way that fits their business model and what they can handle because a lot of places are still sh- really short staffed. Um, and what, what works for them to, to just celebrate the wine month. Some, some wineries have done a great job uh, doing virtual tastings and we're going to turn to them and, and encourage them to do things like that um, throughout the month as well. And then what we are still working on, but hopefully we'll, we'll get some, some traction with soon is the third week in August will be, Finger Lakes Restaurant Week. So we're keeping it pretty local this year, just around the lakes, Canandaigua to Cayuga, perhaps Skinny Atlas, depending if we have some restaurants over there that are interested in participating. But we're asking restaurants um, to, at some point during that week, either partner with their favorite winery for a wine dinner. I know the Seneca Lake Wine Trail is working with a restaurant in Geneva to host a dinner that features Seneca Lake Wine Trail wineries. Um, I'll be working with some folks at the Cuca Lake Wine Trail to do the some, something similar around Cuca Lake. Um, or restaurants, if they wanted to do a prefix menu with a, a flight of Finger Lakes wines and offer it for that week. Essentially, anything that they feel that, that again, fits in what they can handle this year. Because we are kind of asking people to pull something together on a, a slightly uh, short notice. Um, to, to do that for the third week in August. And eventually on our website, we will have a listing of all the restaurants and what they're offering and all the wineries and the calendar of, of events and, and things like that. And um, started out kind of small this year, but we've got some ideas and plans in the works for, you know, things in the future that we can do with a little bit more time for planning. So this is separate from the Restaurant Week company that does restaurant week nationally. This is your own thing. Correct. I okay, actually cool. didn't know I was going to say, that. I mean, the, uh, <laughs> I was going to say the, the Finger Lakes wine month sort of with the flag out at each winery that's involved mm-hmm. and, you know, offering whatever special they're offerings re- totally reminded me of like New York city restaurant week. Okay. Um, so very, very similar in, in, in that sense. Okay. So that's cool. Um, let's, I want to talk just a little bit about wine in general yeah. Uh, and kind of try to get a feel for what you're drinking, what uh, what you find to be new and exciting going on up in the region. So you mentioned that what was formerly known as the Riesling Roadshow, which was mm-hmm. a Finger Lakes Wine Alliance uh, trade event, you're now calling that Finger Lakes Roadshow, which I gather means you are going to show off some things in addition to Riesling. Yes, absolutely correct. So the way... You know, previously when we were doing it in person, we would all show up and do a tasting and we'd probably stand at our tables and have a bucket in front of us with two or three Rieslings and then one extra non-Riesling bottle, whether it be a cool climate red that we were interested in showing off or a rosé, whatever. But, you know, the whole thing was definitely focused on Riesling. And while I firmly believe that Riesling is one of the best things to come out of this region, I think that we would uh, be you know, missing out if we didn't really offer people the the opportunity to experience some of the other wines, particularly in New York state, you go to a restaurant or a bar or sorry, a a restaurant or or a bottle shop in New York from a sales perspective. 
and you say you're from a Finger Lakes winery and they're like, great, what can you show me that's not Riesling? Because I love Finger Lakes Riesling, but I've already got 15 of them on my shelf or I've already got two by the glass and seven on my list. You know, can we, can we talk about something different? So um, outside of the state, we'll still probably lean heavy on Riesling, but for the road show this year, what we're doing is our first session is Riesling focused. Our second session for this year is actually Cabernet Franc fo- focused, both dry rosé and red varietal. And then the third will be all about Chardonnay, believe it or not. Um, so it'll be kind of fun to, to show off some other things from the area and show, you know, the, the cool climate um, side of some of our other vinifera grapes and, and, and not just Riesling. And it's interesting. I mean, the Finger Lakes is not the only Riesling region in the world that is sort of shifting and, and shining a light on some other grapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, we talk and I hear a lot about German Pinot Noir oh, these yeah. days, um, which is pretty exciting. So uh, Cabernet Franc, we, we, we got to talk about it. It's, it's definitely a thing now. I'm hearing sort of talk about it from higher ups in the wine industry who have been paying attention to Riesling and sort of only Riesling Mm -hmm. for a good little while now coming out of, um, you know, not even the Finger Lakes, but like New York state. I mean, that was really the, the flagship that, that really was New York state wine for so long. And it seems that the, the, the next, the next big player for New York is fastly or already is fastly becoming or already is Cabernet Franc, which is kind of cool because the other AVAs in the state are going big with Cabernet Franc too, whereas some of them have not uh, really gone so far into Riesling in comparison to the Finger Lakes. I mean, there's, there's, I think there's more Riesling than people realize in Long Island and in the Hudson Valley, you know, it's definitely there. There, there are some really fine examples of it, but, but they're certainly willing to hang their hats on Cabernet Franc as well. Long Island, with their nice maritime climate, planted a lot of Merlot once upon a time, which right. and I love and I love so many of those wines. Uh, and, and they do have a, a good amount of Cabernet Franc down there, and they're I think realizing the success of that, just like you all are in the Finger Lakes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we'll see efforts double down on Long Island with Cabernet Franc. The Hudson Valley has what's called uh, the Hudson Valley Cabernet Franc. Oh, what is it? The Cabernet Franc Society? I know it's what you're talking like, about. They, they have the stickers that they put on the bottles to recognize their the organization. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, there, there's most definitely a, a Cabernet Franc, uh, Hudson Valley Cabernet Franc Coalition. That's what okay. it's called. Yep. Uh, and I, I've been to a couple of their events, um, which which really, <clears throat> really some really good wines happening down in the Hudson Valley being produced from Cabernet Franc. So that's cool. Of course, the Finger Lakes, the Niagara Escarpment. There's mm-hmm. always some tasty reds coming out of there. Um, but it's kind of getting bananas. I mean, I'm starting to hear about more <laughs> plantings going in. I was listening to one of those, one of the the podcasts from the Canadian Psalms, uh, John Zabo and Sarah D'Amato mm-hmm. the other day talking largely about red vinifera grapes, uh, Cabernet Franc. I think included. they chatted with some folks in the Finger Lakes recently. They did. They yeah. did. Yeah. And, and, and Josh Wig from Lamarillo Landing was talking about, I mean, they've really increased mm-hmm. their plantings over, over there, which is, and they already had a good amount of Cabernet Franc. And I was there recently and I bought a case of the, uh, the T23 from from 2019, which is just, it is delicious. Absolutely. Kraken wine from that vintage. 
Um, so people get your hands on that if you can. Unoaked Cab Franc, just super juicy and, you know, put put it in an ice bucket, get it nice and ice cold and, and it will be your summer wine. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. So what's the, what's the word on the street in the Finger Lakes where Cabernet Franc is concerned? How many people are really, really betting on that and how many versus how many are just maybe resisting a little bit and hanging on to the Riesling uh, as the flagship? Oh, I think that you'll find most producers in the region are really, they, they have pretty broad portfolios. Um, and as far as I understand, there is no Cab Franc fruit to be had in the region. I've had a couple folks from outside the area reach out to me and say, hey, you know, we're looking to, you know, consider the region. Can you point to us, you know, some producers that might be selling fruit or some some juice? And so I've reached out and asked and everybody is sort of laughing of when the request for Cab Franc comes in because it's not only is it making great red wines in the Finger Lakes, but so many producers use it for their dry rosés as well. If it's not 100% Cab Franc, they might be blending it with, you know, Lemberger or a number of different things. And it's just, there's no fruit to be found. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that, you know, you've talked to Josh at Lamro and they're planting a lot more. There are definitely other wineries. When I was at Sheldrake Point, they were planting more for both because their their rosé is Cab Franc. Um, and they would like to make more both, you know, a red varietal and, and dry rosé. I don't think that it's going away anytime soon. I think a lot of folks, I mean, if you were on the Beth New York call um, this past, when was that, March, um, with Jancis Robinson. And she said, hey, Finger Lakes, you know, yeah, your Rieslings are fantastic and you guys are definitely known for that. But there's nothing wrong with considering some other grapes out there. And I think that a lot of people recognize that um, Cab Franc is, is just, it's it's great for this region. Um, as time goes by and we see more climate change, we are going to have probably some more crazy weather incidents, but in general, it is also going to be warmer um, and hopefully not have tons of really cold, colder years like 2011, um, where we can consistently produce, you know, really good medium bodied, delicious uh, Cab Franc red wines. So it's a trend that's not going away. And I think that there are probably some producers in the Finger Lakes that if they don't have it in the ground, they're if they're trying to source it, they're finding that either it's very expensive or it's very difficult to and if they have the opportunity to plant any, they, they're probably looking at, at putting some um, in the ground. I think that you'll see more and more as the years go by, because I also don't think that the trend for rosé in the Finger Lakes is going to go anywhere anytime soon. It's, you know, at first people were kind of saying it was a fad. I think that there's, you know, the big rush of rosé producers across the world might die down a little bit. But in the Finger Lakes, we are so well suited to make great, cool climate, food-friendly wines. And what is better than a cool climate, food-friendly rosé, you know, to drink yeah, and in I'll the tell summer you, or the winter, you know? Totally. And I don't think it's slowing down, Kyle. No. Like every, every time I read something or, or listen to something where data is being presented, mm -hmm. it seems that sales are just continuing to increase annually mm -hmm. for dry rosé. So it's such yeah, a I good mean, category. It's it's one of those wines if you want to have a serious geeky rosé, you can find those. But if you want to just have, you know, whatever you want to call it, a porch pounder, something quaffable, it, just something super refreshing that you're not spending a whole lot of time thinking about, you're just drinking and enjoying it, like that's that's rosé. Yeah, I mean I mean that's that's absolutely what I want whether it's rosé or whether it's red wine. I mm -hmm. mean, I want something that I can 
put a chill on that's really versatile with food and and kind of just nice to drink on its own. And sure. that's uh, you know, that's why I'm fastly moving through my case of that Lamoureux T23. <laughs> um, let's talk, talk about, to Josh another... about all the placements you're giving him in this. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Good wine is good wine. Um, let's talk a lot a little bit about another red grape that I'm excited about that you certainly know something about which is Gamay. Yeah. So your Sheldrake Point for for a for a long while was really the only sizable planting of Gamay. Maybe even in the state, there actually is quite a there there there's a there's grower a little bit who's, down in the Hudson Valley. Yes, yes. So yeah, Mike Migliore, uh, the grower and uh, one of the proprietors with along with his wife Yancy and their son Tristan uh, of Whitecliff. Yes. Uh, in Gardner, New York, they continue to plant more and more of it. They have some on their. Mm-hmm. Home vineyard over there in Gardner, and they've planted quite a bit on their Olana property right along the Hudson River uh, in the uh, city of Hudson. And that has certainly become a, a major player in terms of Gamay plantings uh, in, in New York, right up there with Sheldrake. Mm-hmm. Um, but so your time at Sheldrake, that wine was, along with the with the dry rosé, mm-hmm. definitely one of, one of your top... I guess I'll, I'll say selling or just in terms of interest from the trade. Easiest sell, I'll give you, for by far, those two wines. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And I hear about plantings going in here and there in the Finger Lakes of Gamay. I can think of at least one or two over on the west side of, uh, of Seneca. Mm-hmm. I can think of a couple on the east side of Seneca and even over on Cuca. What are you hearing? What are, What's the word uh, in the region in terms of Gamay? Yeah, I think that there's a growing interest in it. I think a lot of people recognize that there's actually an international interest in Gamay. People are starting to realize that the wines of Beaujolais are not just Beaujolais Nouveau, um, and that you know they can definitely have a place on our table with you know as a, a high end, cool climate grape. Um, sorry, I think my phone is probably going to make noise again. Oh no, we're good. Uh, so with uh, Sheldrake Point, you're right, for, for quite a while, um, Sheldrake Point has been the only grower producer in the region. There was a little bit of a planting um, with a very uh, um, historic producer in the region, but from what I've heard, they used it more as a, a blocking row for the deer to eat, so it protected their Riesling. <laughs> um, but there are definitely some folks, so Sheldrake Point has been working on doing some some more uh, planting of Gamay. I don't know if they're necessarily increasing their um, acreage per se, but definitely doing some, some replants from some winter damage over the past couple of years. Um, and they have also provided some, um, uh, wood for other wineries to, you know, graft onto their vineyards and plant. Um, I don't want to give away anybody's trade secrets if they're not, you know, making it well known, but there are definitely a couple producers on the East side of, um, Seneca Lake, that have collected some trimmings from the Sheldrake Point vineyards. Um, and I know of a couple other places, like you said, on the west side of Seneca, you're going to have to tell me later which one on Kika that you know of is working on it. But I do think we're going to see more and more um, Gamay in the region, which excites me to no end. It's a grape that I love. And one of the things that I enjoy about the Finger Lakes is seeing how different winemakers handle the grapes differently. You know, one of the really cool things about this region is you know, yeah, there's site differences between, you know, soil types and, and, you know, sun exposure and stuff like that, but also just the way some of the winemakers in this region, uh, 
you know, look at a crop as it comes in and, and what they choose to do with it. And I think that we're going to see some really exciting stuff um, with that grape in coming years. I don't see it ever becoming something as big as Cab Franc. Um, it still would be outside of the industry per se, a little bit too obscure um, for many people. But I, I think that um, I look forward to seeing more more expressions of Finger Lakes Gamay Noir in the coming years. That, that's interesting to hear you say that, that you don't think it, it, it's going to catch up to Cab Franc. Yeah, I think it would take a while just mm-hmm. because the uh, of the plantings of Cap Franc that already exist. I suppose I uh, should say never say never. <laughs> well, there is something special about, I, I am a believer in terroir, I, at least I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there is, I think, something special about Cabernet Franc coming from New York and including the Finger Lakes. It just, it, it does its own thing. I can't really think, you know, even in the Loire Valley, it's just a different expression, mm-hmm. uh, and and I really can't think of another place uh, in the new world that is producing Cab Franc with the level of freshness and with the intent to sort of uh, be consumed young and just light and bright and fun mm-hmm. and cheerful as, as what New York has going on. Not to say that we can't make some more pedigreed expressions of it that will be for aging those wines Mm -hmm. definitely exist for sure um so i think it's definitely pretty cool uh what's going on with cabernet franc in sort of both sides of the spectrum but i don't know i don't i don't know that i would bet on on gamay not catching up i would like to think that maybe it could and that reminds me we haven't talked about Gamay at all from Long Island. I don't know of a single planting of no, it. No, I don't know. I I would be blown away if no one's trying it. Like if there aren't some two-year-old vines right. in or something right could now. Be. I'm going to have to do some research there. Because I think with their sandy soils, it could work. Um, Northern Michigan, Northwestern Michigan has some really fine examples of Gamay that have, that have grown for a while there. And they, they also have sandy so- soils up there. And it was, in fact, a winemaker from Michigan who had who had asked me about Long Island and Gamay, and I, I did not have a good answer, and hmm. I still don't. I'll have to um, do some some market research here. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I, it's funny. I don't. I feel like either, like I can't do a podcast somehow without mentioning Gamay or, or, or talking about it. So. Oh no! Uh, I mean, I I enjoy it just as much for sure. It's definitely, uh, I think, something that we're going to see in in the next ten years. A, a few more examples, at least. I won't in, be unhappy in, in about tasting any of them. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's pretty exciting. Well, I think this is uh, we're coming up on a, on a good time to wrap. So we've talked about uh, talked about FL excursion. We've talked about. Finger Lakes Wine Month in August. Yeah. Uh, I imagine that anyone can find whatever they need at either of the the websites for FL Excursion or if they go and visit the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance website. website uh, can, they, can, they, can they find a link for, for Finger Lakes Wine Month? Are there Not things? just yet. So at the moment, the Finger Lakes Wine Month. So flxwinemonth.com website is up. We've got a placeholder page where people can actually enter their email address to be kept in the loop as stuff comes about. Hopefully in the next week or two, all these things are coming together at the same time. Uh, we'll be getting the full site up there um, for Finger Lakes Wine Month. There is There are social media accounts for both a Facebook page and uh, an Instagram account, as well as anytime you want to find anything through the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance, we'll be posting about it on social media. Um, and eventually we will link to the, the Wine Month page from our website as well. 
So follow Finger Lakes Wine Alliance on Facebook and Instagram. Probably the easiest to get updates for Finger Lakes Wine Month coming up Absolutely. in August. Yep. Very cool. Okay, Kyle, great to catch up. Thank you for taking the time to uh, tell us what we can look forward to coming My up pleasure. with uh, FL Excursion and Finger Lakes Wine Month. Great. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate yes. you having me on. I think I'll, I think I'll probably see you in a couple weeks then. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Thank you again to Dave Miller for our opening and closing music. Check him out at davemillerguitar.com and we will see you.